Well, we need more of that mashup in the future. I like that with the piano and acoustic guitar. That sounds good, doesn't it? And uh, boy, I appreciate that, Brother Gary. And uh, here he's up here. He's like, we hadn't practiced, so I threw this little ditty together. And, yeah, so that's uh, a blessing. And Amy uh, didn't even have the music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Evie. She that's what she does. So she she was uh, she came out of the womb with a piano in hand. <laughs> And uh, I've said uh, all throughout our, our ministry, uh, no church has ever hired me. Uh, they've hired her, and they got me as part of it. And so I think that's uh, probably more true than I want to admit, jokingly. Um, but uh, it, is a, it is a blessing, and uh, appreciate the song. And uh, always, always good. All right. Well, we're in our last uh, lesson here um, in dealing with prayer. And so, boys, do you all have the, the handouts? Go forth and prosper. And so, uh, I've got the, uh, the text. I put in the bulletin this morning one of the verses we're going to deal with here tonight, but decided against it this afternoon to change where we're going to start. And so, we're actually going to start in Matthew 26. And so as you're waiting for that handout there, you might make your way over there. <clears throat> hey, this has been a, um, a beneficial, helpful uh, series. I, I kind of wish we had had the opportunity to kind of just go through it uh, without any interruption. You know, just one week after the other, work through it. Uh, unfortunately, that's not always a reality. Uh, there's unfortunately things that come up on Sunday nights where we have different speakers and special events and special days and things that make it um, where we can't do that. But uh, I've enjoyed the series nonetheless. I hope it's been a blessing and encouragement to you all. And uh, I always feel like on Sunday night it ought to be a service where you could just take something home with you, put it in your pocket, and uh, use it. And so that's kind of been the goal and the hope uh, through this series. And I hope you've taken some of these things and applied them to you. Tonight is supposed to be super practical. So this goes against, actually this whole series has gone against a lot of my normal preaching. Um, I'm, I'm very expositional in preaching. You say, what in the world does that mean? It means verse by verse, just preach through a book. Uh, that really is my favorite way. Even when we're not preaching through a book and we're dealing with the text, I love to preach it expositionally, uh, not topically. Topically is you have a topic and you just go here, there, and everywhere. And it's like popcorn, you know, you have a verse pop over here and then pop over there and you're just popping everywhere. And um, my, my brother's very much that way uh, when he was in the ministry, very topical in his preaching. And uh, I had him preach for me one time and he goes, I've got 36 points. And I go, what, are you kidding me? You know, and every one of them had a different verse and everything. I was all, it felt like he got up there with a shotgun and said, I hope I hit somebody, <laughs> you know, and it's just, for me, it just, drove me mad because I'm not that way. I'm more of a rifle guy. You know, I got one point I want you to get, and everybody better get that one point. If you didn't, you weren't listening, right? <laughs> or I failed at my job, right? So th this is going to be more shotgun here tonight, all right? So uh, we'll try not to shoot from the hip, you know, uh, try to get a good shot off here so it'll hopefully be helpful. Uh, but going to deal with this idea of hindrances to prayer and so plural, that there's not just one issue here, but there's a multitude of issues uh, that could cause hindrances and distractions. 
in our prayer life, and how do we deal with those, right? Uh, how, do we, how do we deal with those different things? So uh, hopefully everyone's got a handout now. Everybody get one. If you don't have one, they're fired, which doesn't matter. It's the last week anyways, right? All right, here we go. Let's stand together, Matthew 26, if you're able to, and verse number 40. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, and he has taken the inner three, Peter, James, and John, and has gone to pray uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is where Jesus would sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, and he would cry out to the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. And so Matthew 26, in verse number 40, would read this way, And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, I love how Peter gets singled out every time. This is great, because Peter's always the one who is opening his mouth when he shouldn't be. And so, rightly so, he's kind of that leader among the disciples. And so here's what Jesus says to Peter. What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Now, everyone always gives this very, like, you know, deep poetic Shakespearean voice, and I'm thinking just in the logic of this, Christ is like super disappointed in Peter because he's just, Peter's just said, if I have to die, I will not deny thee. I mean, he's just been like vehement about this, and then he shows up and he can't even stay awake for the prayer meeting, right? So Jesus is like, what? What is this? You couldn't even stay awake for the prayer meeting? You know, you're just bragging about how you were going to die for me and you can't even stay awake, right? So verse number 41, he says this, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Now, there's something we could preach about this text in great depth, but there's something to be said about this, our spirit being willing, but our flesh being weak. And that there is a desire, I believe, a lot of times that we want to do right and we want to pray and we want to be what God wants us to be in our prayer life, but this old flesh gives in to distractions and gives into its weaknesses way too easily. So we're going to talk about that here tonight, hindrances to prayer. So may God bless you his word. You can be seated and thank you for standing in honor of the scriptures. Now through this series, we've identified one very important thing about prayer. Prayer is important. So if we, we identify this thing about prayer, we'd kind of put this as just a summary of the, the whole series. Prayer is important, right? It, there, there's significance to this. Prayer is absolutely vital to the Christian life. I mean, it, it's hard to fathom being a child of God and not having a prayer life or having some communication with the Father. It, it is so very vital, so much so that the disciples, when they looked at Jesus, they didn't say, uh, well, teach us how to preach. Teach us how to lead somebody to the Lord. Uh, teach us how to do the miracles, right? All those were a huge part, and Jesus taught them those things. But the thing that the disciples said, Lord, we want to know how to pray like you, because you have this incredible prayer life. And so we understand that God desires that we be people of prayer. 
Now, if it's true that prayer is important and God desires that we pray, it's, it is a passion in the heart of God that we communicate with Him, then don't you know that there is an adversary that would love for you not to talk to God? Come on now, anything that God loves and anything that God desires for His child, there is an adversary who hates it and wants you not to do it. So we have to understand that there is a tendency in our weak, sinful flesh that doesn't want to pray. When the alarm clock goes off in the morning, for you to wake up an hour early so you can spend time with the Lord in Bible reading and prayer, let's be honest here, it is very tempting to go, die, alarm clock, and I love you, Pello, right? And we're like, I'll do it later. Come on now, isn't that the weakness of our flesh and the tendency of the enemy to try to feed us those lies that it'll be okay, you'll always have later, right? You always have tomorrow procrastination there. For many, Satan in your flesh has convinced you that you don't need to pray, you're too busy to pray, or that you cannot pray. I, I think there might even be those who, even through this series, you're faithful on Sunday night, so you're here but even through this series, your prayer life has gone from zero to zero. Now, I'm not trying to be mean or harmful or ugly about that. I'm just trying to be honest that there probably are those who are still struggling even starting in a prayer life. I sympathize with you, especially if you've been trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing. And it's just this new thing in your life and you're really struggling with it. Let me encourage you, don't stop the struggle. Amen. You keep pressing forward, right? Uh, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Uh, maybe through this whole thing, you've just not even attempted to do that. Now, in, in all kindness, uh, I do want to say the message here tonight is not really for you. This is for those who actually want to pray and they're trying to pray but there are things that keep causing distractions and hindrances and they feel like, what am I doing, okay, with my prayer life here? So for some, it might be that Satan and, and or your flesh has convinced you, you don't have time to pray, you're too busy to pray, there's no need in prayer, why even do it? And so you, you've discounted it altogether and you're not even have a prayer life. Now for the rest, you're trying to have a productive and healthy prayer life. But let's be honest, sometimes that can be challenging. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was really convicted about my prayer life. Uh, at that time, I was waking up about 4, 4.30 every morning because uh, my classes started around 7.30 and I had checks at 7.15 and, and a lot of stuff going on. So I usually would wake up fairly early to read my Bible and pray and, and go and exercise and stuff because I was doing that at that time in my life. And uh, Anyways, but um, I would wake up and I still remember one afternoon I was really wanting to work on my prayer life. And so before I went to work after class, I went back into my dorm room and I knelt there on a couch that we had in our room and I was going to spend time with the Lord. About an hour later, I woke up in a pool of drool <laughs> and just in shame was like, I am the worst Christian that's ever lived, right? This is awful. 
And I still remember at that moment, the Lord really gave me a verse. It's probably ripped way out of context. I haven't ever studied it. But for me at that moment, I needed it, where it was this, the Lord gives his beloved sleep, and, and that God understood the weakness of my flesh and gave me a nap, amen? Uh, sometimes that's exactly what we need. But I will say this, it was a, a cry out to Matthew 26 that the spirit is willing sometimes, but our flesh can be very weak. And, and there are things that we allow to cause distraction and cause hindrances and, and allow us not to have the prayer life we should have. Now, if it happens on a rare occasion, the Lord, I think, has understanding of our frailty and our weakness. But if you find yourself like me many times where your prayer life turns into uh, snooze sessions or chasing rabbits or a scattered mess of everywhere then maybe those are some problems that we need to address so that we can have productive and powerful prayer lives like God wants us to. Like the disciples in the garden, we get distracted, tired, and allow hindrances to enter into the prayer closet. So I want to deal with these. We're going to identify what the problems are and then address how to deal with them. Okay, so let's go into this. All right, I'm not even, I've got a brief review written down in my notes here, but we're going to skip that because we've been in this long enough we know where we're at. So here you go. Biblical hindrances to prayer. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address two uh, hindrances to prayer that are not in the Bible. I guess we could contort and twist some verses to make them work. Uh, but there are seven. There's more than this, but these are the ones that really stood out to me that are, are major uh, hindrances that happen in people's prayer lives. So I want to address these seven hindrances that are mentioned in the Bible. The verses are actually right there in your notes. Uh, if you want to turn to them, you're very welcome to do that. But I put them there just for ease of us moving through these notes. So we don't have to turn, 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 turn. We can just have it right there on the screen and in your lap. Okay. So the first one there is this. Refusing to hear from God. Refusing to hear from God. This would be in Proverbs 28, 9. The verse says this. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. That's a pretty harsh verse, meaning this, abomination, it is absolutely detestable to God. God hates it. So there, there is a way that our prayer life could be detested and even hated by God if we do this, we neglect God's word. Now, what that simply means is this, if you know God is telling you to do something and you say, la, 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 I don't want to hear from you, God, and then you go to talk to him, How's that going to work out for you? Now, come on now. Husbands, think about when you sit down to talk to your wife. And she starts to tell you something and you go, nah, da, 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 da. Now, how's that going to go across, right? And then you go to talk to her and she's like, don't even try. You wouldn't listen to me? I ain't going to listen to you. Now, we don't serve a petty God, but it's understanding to understand this. Why, would, why should God open his ear to listen to our prayer when we won't even get heed to what he's already told us? We're going to ask him for, for aid and for advice and wisdom. And he says, well, if you're not even going to hear my word, why, why should I listen to you in prayer? Okay, so that can be a hindrance to prayer is when we turn our ear away from hearing the law of God. Okay, the second one is this. If we regard sin, if we regard sin. Now, this is in Psalm 66, 18. Uh, this would be a pretty well-known verse. Uh, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
I should have added the next verse because it ends in a colon. You see that? Uh, the next verse, the psalmist actually says, I know God hears me because I haven't been regarded in iniquity. It's a powerful verse. You should look into those last three verses, 18, 19, 20 of that chapter. Uh, it's a very powerful verse where he's saying this. I know if I, if I hide iniquity in my heart and I regard it, God's not going to hear me, but I know this. I've taken care of that and I know God hears me, which is a wonderful blessing to the child of God that we know he hears us. When we pray, we have that boldness that we can go before the throne of God. But know this, if you do regard iniquity in your heart, God won't hear you. So the big question is, what does it mean to regard iniquity in your heart? Because, I mean, we know the verse, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. What does it mean to regard? Well, to regard, given in basic terms, simply means this, to know it's there and not deal with it. To know it's there and not deal with it. So here's this. If you know there's something between you and God that's not as it ought to be, sin that's there, and you refuse to confess or refuse to get it right, the Bible says this, God will not hear you. So what needs to happen? Well, you need to 1 John 1, 9 the thing. You need to confess your sin to Him, and He is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness, cleanse you of that, right? God is faithful to do that, but you must ask for forgiveness and ask for cleansing for sin in your life. And so if we regard iniquity in our heart, regard sin, that will hinder your prayer. No, no hearing of prayers. Okay, number three. Praying for your pleasures. <clears throat> Praying for your pleasures. This be in James chapter number four, verses one through three, where it says this. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Now he's talking to the church. How come there's uh, issues in the church? How come y'all are fighting each other, right? That's a good question to ask. If a church has squabbles and fightings, why are y'all fighting with each other? So he answers the question. He says, come they not hence. Here's where they come from. Even from your lust, that war in your members. You're selfish. That's where it's coming from. You want your way, and that's causing conflict. So he goes to it and gives an explanation. He says, ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not. Because ye ask not, ye ask and receive not, here it is, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Now again, there's a lot in this verse. We're not trying to unpack every one of these verses here tonight. We're just kind of touching the tarmac and taking off again, okay? So just touching this here about what he's talking about, when he pray amiss so that they can consume it upon your lust. Here's what it it's prayer that says, God, I desire this. I don't care what your desire is. God, I want this. I don't care if you don't want me to have it. It's a prayer that says, I desire to have this. I lust to have this. It's something that would bring great pleasure in my life. And so I don't care what your will is. I don't care who it harms. I don't care what it does. I want it. Now, those type of prayers, God doesn't answer. Right? When we come in and we, we are totally in a blatant way coming in and being like, God, my way or the highway, you better drop it in my lap right now. Now, that verse, of course, flies in the face of all the prosperity gospel that's out there who tells you that you ought to pray in faith just that prayer. God, give it to me lest I die. It's like a little kid throwing a temper tantrum, isn't it? That's almost like what they're asking you. You stay there and you stomp your foot until God gives you what you want. Well, that's dangerous praying right there. Okay? Uh, it, it's another thing that we pray according to God's will. God, if you will, 
allow this to happen. Should we ask for what we want? Yeah, but we ought to pray according to his will. God, if it's according to your will, will you allow it to come? Okay. Number four, <clears throat> lack of faith. Lack of faith. Again, we go to James for this one, James chapter 1 and verse 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. They give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. I love that phrase. Uh, to upbraid literally means to rebuke. Be kind of like if a kid comes to you and they go, can I have a juice box? And you go, why would you ask for a juice box? I will never give you a juice box. And you, you chide them, right? You discipline them for even asking. The Bible says God does not do that when we ask Him. When we come to Him and we ask for wisdom, the Bible says He doesn't upbraid us. He doesn't say, why would you even ask for something like that? He wants you to ask Him for wisdom, okay? He gives it to all men liberally, and it shall be given Him. Now notice this, though. There's a qualifier. Qualifier simply means this. You can ask and God will give it, but it has to be asked in the right way. So here's the qualifier. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, what's that talking about? Well, this is the person that goes to the Lord. It's a double-minded man, okay? Uh, and so he goes to the Lord and he asks for something of the Lord. And then he gets up from asking it from the Lord. And he goes and he looks for it everywhere else. That, that's double. So here it is. You need to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Right? So what he's saying here is when we ask in faith, it's simply this. If I go to God and I ask God for it, then I'm going to trust God to provide it. Unfortunately, a lot of us in our prayer life, we go to God and we go, God, will you handle this problem? And then we get up and we go to everybody else and we say, can you help me with this problem? Can you help me with this problem? I need to go read five books about this problem. I'm going to go visit seven websites. I'm going to make 12 Facebook posts about it. Right? Come on now. Let's be honest. We do that stuff, don't we? And we go, well, I'm just trusting Jesus. <laughs> and, and obviously there's a big lack of trust there. Now, I'm not talking about sitting on your hands and doing nothing, right? There is, there is a certain expectation that God has on us that we have faith in Him, but we also go and we practice and we do what He's asked us to do, right? Like He told Noah, build the ark, yeah. right? Okay, the rains come, and it wasn't like Noah sat back and was like, well, God, you better do something with this because it isn't happening, right? There's a certain expectation of what you ought to do, but the problem is, is when we seek for what we're looking for in all these other places, right? And so that, that becomes a double-minded man. The word double-minded there literally means two-souled, two-spirited. It's kind of the idea of, well, I'm trusting God, but I'm also trusting this. It doesn't work that way, right? It's kind of like the guy who's going out on the boat, and he goes, well, I'm going to fish from the boat and the shore today. Well, what happens when the boat pulls out of the dock? Well, he is neither on the dock or in the boat any longer, is he? He is in the bottom of the lake, okay? Because that's how that works. And, and that's exactly what James is talking about here is that there's danger when we don't ask in faith. Okay? The only reason we would look elsewhere is because we lack faith that God can solve the problem and that God can meet our need. Okay? And the next one is this, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. This is in Matthew chapter number 5, verses 23 through 24. 
He says this, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Here, here's how this works. It says, if you go to the altar and you realize, man, God brings to remembrance in my heart, right? There's something that comes up that there is, there's a conflict here. There's a problem. There's unforgiveness in my heart towards another person. Someone did me wrong, and I haven't forgiven them. Well, they're not worthy of my forgiveness. That's not what the verse talks about. Forgiveness has very little to do with them. It has a lot to do with you. Okay? Unforgiveness doesn't hurt them. Unforgiveness develops what's called the root of bitterness. And bitterness really is drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Right? It's sitting there and you stewing and you destroying your heart and your spirit in order to punish them, right? And unforgiveness is a very dangerous thing. So here he says, if there's unforgiveness in your heart, you go to the altar. He says, you need to leave that gift there, go deal with the problem, then come back. Okay, so that's part of that as well. Okay, uh, this next one here. <clears throat> Domestic dysfunction. <laughs> Uh, I try to give a little bit of a definition to this, domestic dif dysfunction, because I'm going to try to broaden it out here a little bit as well. So 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, speaking of your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. I mean, it specifically says it there, your prayers will be hindered, husband, if you are not the husband you're supposed to be. Now, this is a scary verse for me because it says to dwell with your wife according to knowledge. How do I do that, right? Because she's a hard book to read sometimes. Yeah, I love my wife, you know, but sometimes it's, it's hard to dwell with them according to knowledge. Literally, the idea that he presents there, he said this, study your wife and be a good student. N know her, Right? And be the husband that God's called you. Do not abdicate God-given authority in your home and God-given responsibility on you, man, or God will not hear your prayers. You better take care of business at home. Be the right kind of husband, the right kind of father, be the right kind of man. But if, if I could take this verse without doing too much injustice to it and broaden this out here a little bit, it'd say this, uh, wives, be the right kind of wife. Be the right kind of parent. Children, be the right kind of kid. Okay? Uh, when we don't follow God-given roles, of course, the only one that specifically says that there's not going to be a hearing of prayer is when the husband does this. But just without doing injustice to the text, it doesn't mean that there's not a, a responsibility of the wife and the child and everyone else to do what they're supposed to do. Okay, this is obviously some good parts with that as well. Okay, uh, this last one here. I think this is a, a primary one, number seven here. Pride. <clears throat> Pride. Luke 18, 9-14, I won't read the verse, but you probably know the story. There's two men that are down praying, okay? And one is a Pharisee, the other is this no-name guy, just a, a sinner. And the Bible says that the Pharisee's over there and he's praying, God, I'm so, I'm so thankful that I can pray three times a day and that I'm so holy and I'm so righteous. I'm thankful I'm not like this little sinner over here. And you remember what the sinner's doing over there? The Bible says he could barely even lift up his voice. He was smiting himself on the breast and he said this, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. Now, the Bible says one of those men left with God hearing from him and one 
left enjoying listening to himself talk. Yep. And, and of course, we understand that the principle of the story there is this. When we enter in God's presence with pride, God will not hear prideful hearts and prideful lips. God wants us to have humility and lowliness and recognize who we are and who he is. So pride can be a hindrance there also. Remember this, God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay? So there's also this, number three there, uh, major point of this is practical hindrances to prayer. So I thought of a couple that maybe there's no verses to, but I thought about in my prayer life, what's some things that cause me to like struggle with prayer or for my prayers to feel like they're not getting through? And so the first one is this, distractions. Distractions. Phone, kids, dog, visitors coming to the door, work, food on the stove, you name it, whatever that might be. There can be a host of distractions, can't there? Things that come in and they, they pull us away. Isn't it funny that when God's trying to do something spiritually, the smallest distraction can cause a total upheaval? I remember when we first got here, there was issue with wasps getting into the church. You all remember that? Praise the Lord, what a blessing that was. So we started having it uh, treating and stuff, and we haven't had problems with that since. Praise the Lord. You have a wasp come in. I'm thinking, boy, I've really been praying. I've really been studying. This message is really going to do a great work in God's people. And I'm just, man, God's going to do something. I'm up here, preach your heart out. And then everyone. <laughs> we are easily distracted, aren't we? Absolutely. We are like, oh, bug, you know. And what's the preacher saying up there? And I'm up here like, ah, you pull your hair out. And that's when we met with the trustees and said, whatever we have to pay to get rid of these bugs, we're paying it because that, that's what church is all about is to hear the word of God. Boy, watch the bug. But that happens not just in church. That happens in our prayer life. We can get distracted by the most insignificant things sometimes. I mean, sometimes we create the distraction. We bring our phone into the prayer closet and then it lights up and we go, right? We allow those distractions to sneak in sometimes. Okay, so number two is this, a restless mind. A restless mind. Uh, our mind wants to wander and it wants to worry. Now, sometimes when we get in the quiet place of a prayer closet and stillness before the Lord, uh, when we should be praying, oftentimes we start to allow our mind to go, what am I going to do later today? And, uh, oh, did I do this or did I make that phone call? Oh, yeah, this is happening today. Come on. I'm not the only one that's guilty of this. Our mind can start processing things that we begin to think about. We start to chase rabbits. Come on, we're praying about something and we go, oh, yeah, and we start chasing. And then before long, we're not even talking to God anymore. We're just having a conversation with ourselves about this thing we're doing later that day. And then we're like, oh, sorry, God, where were we? Come on, that, it, it's a humbling thing, but we, we struggle with that. It's a limitation of us in our human spirit. What about this also worrying? You know, it's not just our minds wandering or thinking about things, but also worry. We can genuinely be praying about something, and then we find ourselves stressing and worrying instead of actually talking to God about the problem. We're talking to ourselves about the problem as we begin to stress and worry about it. So those, those are a couple things I thought of that can happen. There maybe isn't necessarily a verse for but I thought, man, practically in my prayer life, I've experienced these. So how do we prevent hindrances to prayer? So we've, we've kind of talked about some, some 
seven scriptural things, too, that maybe there aren't any verses there for, but that definitely can be distractions and hindrances to prayer. So what are some things that we can do to prevent these problems from happening? Okay, so I'm going to go through these. Some of these tie in directly with what we've talked about. Others are just good advice for you to take into the prayer closet, all right? So the first one is this. Read God's Word before or after prayer. Now, this kind of goes with that first hindrance to prayer when we will not heed God's Word. Uh, I've always found it to be um, quite advantageous. In my, in my life, I've just always practiced it this way. There's not a right or a wrong. I've just found this to be the most useful for me. I read the Scriptures. And then I spend time with the Lord in prayer. Now, that, 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 that's how I found for my life it works. If you find it better to pray and then spend time in God's Word. I love doing that because I allow God to speak to me. And then I have the opportunity to respond and speak to Him about what He's just talked to me about in His Word. And to talk to Him about all the other things that need to be talked about uh, in my prayer time. So I've found that that can be very helpful is to read God's Word and have that in conjunction and connection with your prayer. What does that do? It helps you not neglect God's Word. Because if you don't hear God's Word and you won't receive God's Word, He says your prayers can become an abomination, right? So let's read God's Word and then be very sensitive. God, show me something from your Word and help me be sensitive and follow what your Word says, right? And, and, and then read God's Word and follow. Okay, number two is this. Confess sin and seek forgiveness for sin. <clears throat> Now, a lot of these you'll figure out are kind of redundant because we address them in Jesus' model prayer, those elements. If, if you'll follow that, that elements, those things that we laid out as far as having worship and then surrender, if you'll follow those, you'll address a lot of these problems that can arise in your prayer life. Okay? So this is one of those. Obviously, confession, asking forgiveness is a part of that. Okay, if we regard iniquity in our heart, God won't hear us. So what's the solution to that? We'll confess sin. Uh, open up to the Lord. Say, God, show me. Is there something wicked between me and you? Something that's not right that should be right? Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you make me right? Will you make me clean? I want to be able to have good communication with you. Okay, number three. <clears throat> Thy will, not my will, will prevent you from praying your pleasures. You remember when we start to pray and we say, I want this, I desire this, my way or the highway, I want it, I want it, I want it. Well, he says, God doesn't hear those prayers when you want to consume them upon your own lust. So again, if you're praying every day and you're saying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, thy will, not my will, that prevents a lot of that from happening. Because sometimes God's will doesn't line up with your wants and desires. And if you're praying, thy will, God, I'm, I'm, I want your will for my life. And let me let you on a little bit of a secret here. What you desire so much that God keeps saying no to, if you'll just submit and say, okay, God, and let that go instead of pushing the issue, the thing he's trying to give you is way better. Amen. You might not recognize that right now, but come on now, there's been some young ladies who have pushed the issue and said, this is the man I want. Right? They've got a list and they're sticking to it, right? And God says, if you'll just let that go and surrender to my will, I've got a man that's just right for you, Amen. right? And, and you can apply that to so many other areas of the Christian life, but thy will, not my will, will protect you and prevent you from praying your pleasures, okay? Next one is this, pray with directness and singleness. Nothing wavering. Remember James, he said there, double-minded man, he's unstable in all his ways. He's wavering, right? 
should I do this? I'm, I'm going to take it to God, but then I'm going to go to all these other places too. Well, if you pray with directness and singleness, God, God wants you to pray that way. Um, you remember uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, if your eye be evil, right? The idea there is like somebody who needs corrective lenses, they need glasses, and their eye, the light isn't coming in directly. So he says this, if your eye be single, then your whole body's full of light. But if it's evil, then the whole body's full of darkness. You can't see correctly because it's all blurry. But if you have the correct lenses and you can see clearly, then you can see, what is that? Directness. P looking at something with a singular point is the whole idea of what Jesus puts forth in that part of his Sermon on the Mount. And that, that's exactly what he wants us to do in our prayer life. Pray with directness, pray with singleness, go to him in faith and trust him alone to answer that prayer. Okay. The next was this, forgive others. <clears throat> this maybe should be a little cut and dry. Um, when you go to pray and God begins to, and he does this, absolutely does. You go to pray and God begins to bring something to mind. You had that fight with your wife. You need to go make that right. Well, you, things haven't been very good right now between your parents. Teenager, you need to go ask for their forgiveness and get things right with them. God, God's very gracious in our prayer life. To ring that bell when we go to him in prayer. We kneel to him in prayer and he goes, you've got odd against the brother and you, I'm helping you remember that right now. So what you need to do is get up from prayer right now and go make a phone call or go talk to somebody in person and get this taken care of. Then you can come back and we can talk. <laughs> That's a wonderful advice. That's what God says. That's how we need to handle that aspect of forgiveness. Maybe it is you've been holding a grudge against someone for a long time and haven't forgiven them. Uh, today would be a great day to do that. Again, forgiveness has a lot more to do with you than it does with the other person. Okay, uh, Let her up there. Husbands, be the man God wants you to be. And again, we could open this up to other um, aspects of a marriage or relationships or whatever it might be. But the verse is specific about husbands, so I'm going to kind of dwell there. Uh, husbands, be the man God wants you to be because the Bible says if you don't dwell with them according to knowledge, there can be hindrances to your prayer life. So... Okay, this is the point where all the wives go. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Luckily, mine's long distance right now, so I'm not feeling it too bad. But uh, be the husband God wants you to be. And I'm telling you, it, it is a sweet thing. You can, you can notice a difference in your prayer life when it is. Okay? Uh, the next thing is this, <clears throat> letter G there, worship helps humility. Remember, God resists the proud. So what do you do? Worship. When you start your prayer life, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When you start by talking about God's names and his accomplishments and his attributes, and you start by praying those things, it's really hard to be full of pride. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm really somebody. When you've just exalted God, worship has a lot to do with humbling yourself in order to exalt the worth of God. So in humbling yourself to exalt the worth of God, it really allows there to not be pride in your life. Okay, uh, The next one is this. Maybe get a little bit more practical here on some of those distractions and things like this. Have a good prayer list. Have a good prayer list. You say, well, what does that do? It kills some rabbits. Amen. You know, Elmer Fudd, let's go rabbit hunting, right? Uh, boy, if, if you're like me and you can get off track... And you can chase all these other things about what you got to do through the day. Having a list that you're working through, a prayer list, helps you stay engaged and focused. 
Through this series, we've been talking about how to put together a prayer list. I hope you've been doing that. If not, reflect back on some of the previous notes or, or, or ask for them. be happy to give them to you, and you can kind of see how the, the elements or the pieces of a prayer list, how they go together. Worship, surrender, dependence, forgiveness, all those pieces, you can work on collectively putting together a prayer list, and it will help you with those areas of distraction. Another thing that will help a lot with that, letter I there, specific time and place. If you designate a time to meet with God, you will meet with God. If you don't, you won't. If you're, trying, if you're like, well, it'll happen later sometime, I'll, no, it won't. I found if I don't seek the Lord early, I don't seek Him at all. If I miss my time in the morning, I don't catch it up later. Why? Life gets busy, stuff happens, and I don't get to it. So I found this, there needs to be a diligent time that's set aside, a time and a place where I can spend time with the Lord in His Word and in prayer. A place that I can choose that's controlled where there's not distractions and where there's not problems and where there's not issues. Which simply means this, I need to be able to control the environment. Okay, so if you're picking a time, maybe the time that's busiest around your house and praying at the, the dining room table, it maybe isn't the best time to do that. Why? Because you're going to have your kids coming up. Hey, mommy, mommy, can we do this? Mommy, can we do that? Daddy, can we do this? Okay, if you've got kids at home. If not, your husband will come up and say, I'm looking for this. I can't find this. I need this. Or your wife will, well, she doesn't need to find things. She already knows where they all are. But uh, <laughs> there'll be those distractions there as well. So be mindful of that. Choose a time and place that works good for you. For me, morning time. For you, it might be better in the evening. But choose a time and place that works good for you. Okay? Uh, letter J there, leave distractions out. If you have the opportunity to control the environment, then control the environment. Don't take your phone into the prayer closet. We have become addicted to that thing where people just want to look at it even though nothing happened. I think something dinged, right? And we just we find ourselves constantly looking at it. Just remove that distraction. You got an Apple Watch or a smartwatch, take the thing off. Don't, don't take that in there. Don't take it, well, my prayer list is on my digital iPad. Well, write it down on a piece of paper and don't take that in there. I'm just being honest because it's a distraction. There's going to be a notification from your Bejeweled game or whatever that's going to pop up and say, oh, well, I need to go to the level seven. I don't know. You're going to have a text message that comes through. Some nonchalant, there's going to be a wasp and you're going to follow it. What I'm saying is, is if you can control those things, control them. Uh, listen, if you have the opportunities... To, if you've got a bunch of kids at home, uh, like this was the case with us, choose a time and place where your kids are in bed. That might mean you need to wake up earlier. Ew. Or have your spouse watch kids so you can spend time with the Lord. Now be understanding with that, wifey, uh, that sometimes there is time limitations with that as well. But try to leave distractions out. Okay, Try to be very understanding with those distractions. All right, next thing is this. Have pen and paper handy to write down things that would cause you to chase rabbits. Now, this might not be helpful for you, but it's helpful for me. When I go to the prayer closet, I have a pen and a piece of paper or something, and that way when my mind goes, oh, yeah, such and such has a surgery today, I need to call them, then I can go, and I can say, boop, put a pen in that for later and get back to praying. Because I don't want to forget it, but I also don't want to dwell on it. So it's oftentimes a good thing to just have something there where you can say, you know what, this is important, and I'm going to deal with that, but I'm going to write it down and forget about it so I can get back to praying. 
Okay, so that can be a helpful thing there as well. Okay, uh, another one here maybe you haven't thought of, letter L there, pray out loud instead of quietly. We're talking about in your prayer closet, you know, when you're spending time alone with the Lord. Um, praying out loud can help you articulate and help you put words to things that otherwise maybe you couldn't. Okay, so pray out loud. Now, I'm not talking about screaming, okay? Uh, now, that might happen. I don't know, however you want to do, but... Um, in your prayer closet, I've found it's better for me, at least, if I talk to God and I actually communicate with Him out loud, okay? Now, um, <clears throat> heaven forbid somebody walk in while you're praying and they think, well, this is a Hannah situation. Hey, you drunkard, go get things right. You know, uh, That's what they thought with Hannah because her mouth was moving, no words were coming out. But I'll say this, in your private prayer time, it helps a lot if you pray out loud, okay? And then the last one I think would be very helpful here is ask the Lord for help. <laughs> uh, he knows your limitations. So when you go to Him in prayer, say this, God, before I even get started on trying to worship and trying to do all this, I'm really distracted today. And there's a lot of crazy stuff that's happened in my life. Will you help me be focused in my prayer life? My spirit is willing, but my flesh is really weak right now, and I need help. There's nothing wrong with praying that and asking for God to help you and expressing it. That's an aspect of dependence that we have upon God. So application here, let me give this to you. Practical steps to your personal prayer life. First one is this. Identify hindrances and distractions to your prayer life. First step in fixing them is identifying them. So identify the hindrances. Say, you know what? <clears throat> Not everything preacher talked about tonight, okay? Shotgun here this evening. Something hit, something didn't, right? But some things are probably things that hit home for you. And we're like, hey, these are things that are problems for me. Those maybe aren't as much, but these are. Well, the things that hit, identify those things. Hey, these are problems in my prayer life. I, I've been taking my phone in. That seems to be a problem. I'm not going to take that in anymore. Uh, the kids keep running around while I'm praying. So I'm going to do something to, to remedy that, right? Uh, the, I'm going to do something to make this where there's less distractions and less hindrances in my prayer life, okay? The second thing is this, lay out a plan to deal with those hindrances and distractions. Once you identify it, then come up with a plan. The old saying is, is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And that is true in your prayer life as well. Make a plan and then stick to that plan. This is the time. This is the place. This is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to Here's my prayer list. I've got it all ready to go. I'm ready to pray. Okay? And, and, and tweak it, right? Everything isn't always perfect overnight. Be willing to adjust the plan in order to have a productive prayer life. Well, let's all stand together. We'll come to a time of invitation here.